welcome to church. <laughs> it really is a beautiful day in Florida. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Um, if you need a title, my title is God's Will or Mine. <laughs> You're going to hear some stuff. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started. Father God, we just thank you. We praise you. We've come to honor you this day, that we're, we're purposing and, and deciding, Lord God, to rejoice in the day that you've made and created for us, because it is a good day. It's your day, Father. Father, I thank you for the Holy Ghost. I thank you. He is a spirit of, of the living God inside of us to teach us, to train us, to lead us, to guide us. Yes, even to discipline us and reprove us sometimes, Lord God. But Father, I thank you that it's all good for the growth of the body. It's all good for the ministry to your children, to your bond servants, to your saints, Lord God. Father, I just thank you, I praise you for this time that I can stand before the people, that I can give them what you have given to me, that I can share with them my testimony, my revelation knowledge, Lord God. And Father, I thank you that it will produce the fruit of righteousness in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. So we're going to do several different translations, but I'm going to start out in um, 1 John chapter 2. And it's verse 15 to 17, but I'm going to share it out of the J.B. Phillips translation. The J.B. Phillips translation says, starting in verse 15, Never give your hearts to the world or to any of the things in it. We could stop right there. That we are not to give ourselves to the world, nor any of the things in the world. And I know that things come and go in our life and come at our life that are of the world. And we have to guard ourselves. That's why the Bible tells us you've got to guard the heart that you've been given. You've got to guard that which you've already taken hold of. You have to guard it. It's not a one time and you've got it made. It's not like that because we're in the world. It says... A man cannot love the Father and love the world at the same time. For the whole world system, based as it is on men's primitive desires, their greedy ambitions, and the glamour of all that they think splendid, is not derived from the Father at all, but from the world itself. There's many things that can catch our eye, y'all. Let's be real here. Let's talk this morning. Many things can attract our attention. Many things can catch our eye. But can we know? That's what we're going to talk about. Do we know God's will in the situations and the circumstances when those things come and try to capture us and catch us up? The world and all its passionate desires will one day disappear. But the man who is following God's will is part of the permanent and cannot die. So we want to talk a little bit about following the will of God and having that desire. So I, I um, let me skip over to John seven seventeen in the Darby translation. This is the Darby translation, but this is what it says. And this should be 
we're talking about us because we're talking about we want to seek and pursue after God's will. Do we not? We do. We want to grow up into him and his will. And that means we have to lay aside our will. When we find out that my will is not God's will, which will will I lay aside? I'll lay aside my will. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it takes time. It takes growth. It takes, you know, discernment. It takes diligence. I got to be after it. I can't just think, oh, yeah, I'm going to just leave my will alone and, because my will is, you know, in me. It's a part of me. It's a part of you. And we have to really make a firm decision to let go of our own will when it does not line up with God's will. But in John 7, 17, in the Darby translation says, if anyone desires to practice God's will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is of God or that I'm speaking of myself, which means we should know when truth comes or it's not truth. And if it's not truth, what is it? It's a lie. Sometimes it's hard to, you know, want to say, oh, you know, that's a lie. But yet, if it's not truth, there's no middle ground. <laughs> you know, there's not any middle road here. It's either the truth, which is God's word and his will, that we are to practice, or it's a lie that we're to have nothing to do with and turn away from. Amen? So, with that said talking about giving ourselves to the world and the things in it. You know, that means my attitude, my thought life, my thinking, um, my actions, where I go, what I say, what I do, who I hang with. It matters to all of that. It, every bit of that has to do with giving ourselves to the world. The Bible says don't give ourselves to the world. Don't give yourself. Because when I start giving myself to the world, I give my possessions to the world. I give my relationships to the world. You know, whatever I have, I end up giving to the world. And we don't want to give to the world. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to reconcile. We're supposed to be reconciling the world. We don't go out and give ourselves to the world. It's very easy. And I know we all sit here thinking, oh, I would never do that. Many, many, many of us has done it. To think it's not going to be me, you can't think like that. It says if you don't practice, if you don't practice the will of God, if you don't have that desire to practice, if you don't have that desire, one, to know God's will, to have God's will, and then, then to practice or live it and do it, then you know what? You can be drawn into the things of the world. I'm not talking about losing our salvation by any means. I'm just talking about we're walking with the world and we haven't even realized it in a situation or circumstance. I'm walking with the world. And, um, I mean, because I've lived in the same place all of my life, I have lots and lots of friends that I come in contact with. You know, some of them are Christians. Some of them have never made a commitment yet to the Lord. But... I come in contact with them. And you know what? Because they have grown up around me and with me, they can say anything at any time. And I have to guard myself. I have to guard myself because there's no telling what they might speak to me. 
or want to involve me in. And I have to be on guard. It's not anything that I'm afraid of or anything like that. I'm just aware of it, and I have to be on guard. And that's what the Bible, I believe, is trying to show us. Um, you know, in the New Testament, they were always, always preaching to the church, warning the church about not getting into false doctrines, not getting into things that were not what they had been taught, not about the resurrection. And so we have to think about that when we're thinking about this life that we are developing. We're developing a life. We're going to look at that in the Word. But let's go to, we're very familiar with this, with this um, scripture, but turn with me to Romans um, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. No, no, not 1, excuse me, ch chapter 12, 1 and 2. I'm going to read this out of the message. Put it up in the message. And this is what it says. It says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. You know, he always helps us. We're never in this alone. We're never expected. God doesn't point his finger at us and say, you better make this happen, Hugh Ellen. Tomorrow, when I see you, you better have your, yourself together. He, it says he always helps us. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. That's what I'm talking about, about not giving ourselves to the world, but give, give everything in our life, like right today, give it to him. Let him have it. Let him have access to it. These are simple things. Everybody does these things. It says, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture, we know this, that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Um, there's a little song that we used to sing in kids' church about God on the inside working to the outside. And it was a good song because everyone knows God isn't working out here. He works in here. We're the ones that bring him forth and work him out here. If you understand what I'm talking about. For the believer, God works in us and then through us, we work him out here in our life in this world that's how we things are changed around us if they're not changed in us they'll never be changed around us we can try all that we want it won't happen it says readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity i think that's a good thing to think about so why do we stay immature in the things of God? Because we're always giving ourselves to the world's way. We're always giving ourselves to the world's way. If I give myself to God and everything that I have at this point, today, right now, right here, then I can be assured I'm not going to stay immature. Well, Pastor Morgan, I've told you before, when we first got born again, which we didn't even know that um, analogy or not that analogy but that um what am I trying to say 
the way to, yeah, the, the phrase. We didn't even know born again. We thought we were going to heaven. We thought we were nice people, good people, dutiful people. We were dutiful. We were very dutiful. I mean, we served in the church. We worked in the church. We were part of everything that the church did. But it was just out of duty. We didn't know that. It wasn't out of relationship. We didn't know it, okay? And we were ignorant of it. But still, even if we're ignorant of it, it didn't count for us. Y'all get that, right? You have to admit it. That was not being accounted to us. It just wasn't. It was a habit that we were taught. A habit. That's it. I mean, when I think about that, when I think, when I think about being part of and so proud of it at the time of a certain circle and a certain denomination, when the Bible clearly says, don't be Martha, be Mary. But no, 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 no. Oh, my gosh, we got little awards every year and little plaques on the wall of where we met and stuff. When I saw that, the first time I ever saw that after being saved, I was thinking, ooh, we missed that by a mile. But yet we were doing good things, don't get me wrong, but we just missed that. We just missed that. We should have been the Mary that chose the good part, sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning, hearing. It says, so the, so the culture of the world is always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, but God brings the best out of you develops well-formed maturity in you. Come on. I mean, come on, church. If we will stick with him and we pursue his will and seek after his will and we receive the word that we're being taught, we can grow up past immaturity, leave that immaturity behind and come to maturity in him. And we will have God's best, and we will be our best. You know there's many motivational speakers. I remember that I went into um, a bookstore, a big bookstore we have in Port Charlotte. They had rows and rows and shelves and shelves of um, self-help books. And it was all about motivation, all about motivation. And you know what? The titles were wonderful because I just was in there browsing. I like bookstores. And so I was browsing and I'm looking at all the titles and I'm thinking, you know, those are great titles. And, and I thought, but yet I have a Bible and I'm sitting under the authority of God's word now and I'm being taught now. And everything that's in these books, the titles that I can read here, it's all in the word for me. And I knew that even though I don't, I don't know all of the word yet, but I'm going that way. I'm practicing I'm not giving my heart to the world or the things of the world. I'm guarding myself. I'm keeping myself. I don't mind correction. I don't, remind, uh, I don't mind reproof. I don't even mind rebuke. And we're going to look at a scripture about that too. But because I know that if I will receive that, that immaturity in me, that, that thing of the world, it's just going to be dropped off of me and I'm going to walk off from it. See, I'm going to walk off from it. The things of the world will not walk off from us. The world wants us. We need to get that, people. The world wants you. He, the world wants me. They want to see us fail. They want to see us fall. They want to see us not care about the things of God any longer. They want to see us back up, back down, fall away. But that's not who we are. 
because the Bible clearly tells us we don't have to fall in with the culture of this world. Even though we're accused of things, we're pointed, they point our, their finger at us. We're not those people. We know this. We know that we love each other. We know that we love humanity. We're not divisive. We're not. We love people because God loves people. But we don't like sin because God doesn't put up with sin. And we have to, you know, we have to know, we have to understand these things. And we have to, we have to stick with it. Because there'll be something come, if we don't stick with it, that'll be our weak point and say, it'll trip us up. And we'll, I mean, I have, I saw, I saw a friend walk off from her ministry that she was under because they wouldn't embrace something of the world. They would not embrace it. The church was right not to embrace it. The church took a stand, praise God, not to embrace it. The church wanted purity the way God wants purity. But because of it, she left because she, she would not go that way. And she was wrong. She gave herself to the things of the world. Mm-mm. John 8, 31, okay? So we're talking about, about um, the culture of the world versus the culture of the kingdom. And we don't even have to turn here, but Romans 8, 31 tells us this. Jesus said that if you will abide, if you will continue, not Romans, John, excuse me, John 8, 31, I'm sorry, John 8, 31, if you'll abide in my word, then you'll be disciples because the word will make you a disciple. A disciple will learn to love the word. I mean, I didn't know that's what I was going to become. I just knew I'm saved, I'm born again, I need to be in church, I don't know God. I did know that. I don't know God. I have served someone I don't even know. I don't know his will. I don't know the Bible. I don't know his word. And I certainly didn't know the Holy Spirit at all. I knew the name, but I did not know him. So when that happened, of course, we came into a body of believers. They were hungry for the word. They wanted to practice the word. They wanted to practice the kingdom way of life. They wanted to practice the will of God. And so we begin, Pastor Morgan and I, to sit under that ministry. We begin to grow. We begin to take on the truth and put away the lie because we had all the lies. I mean, it was like, wow, Morgan, we don't, we don't know God. We don't do any of this. We don't think like this. We don't act like this. We sure don't talk like this. And he'd, be, he'd say to me, you're right, Hugh Ellen, we don't know God. And, you know, it was like, sigh. But, but we begin to know him. We begin to be familiar with who the Holy Spirit was, that he was uh, the third person of the Godhead. We begin to know the one that we had said, yes, we need a Savior, be our Savior. And over a period of time, we begin to make him our Lord, which is what discipleship is all about. Discipleship is not about a Savior. It's about you have a Savior, but now he's got to become your Lord. Not Lord over you, but Lord of you. Lord to you not to God never puts his thumb down on us never 
He does not do that. And so be, because of that, we did begin to grow. We, you know, we, be, we begin to grow. But here's what it says about in John 8, 31, about being a disciple. Here's what a disciple will do. This is how a disciple is. A disciple will remain faithful. A disciple will continue in the word of God. You know, we should be able to recognize ourselves in this. A disciple will obey the word. A disciple will hold fast to the teaching that's being taught. Sometimes we don't hold fast, let's be real. We like it, we think it sounds wonderful, we're excited when we're being taught, but then we leave and we don't hold fast to it. I have caught myself, you know, over a period of time, years, about I needed that word. That word I heard that word before. That word would have fit in my situation. I wouldn't have had to go through this situation the way I had to go through it. I mean, I, I'm pretty honest with myself, and I'm, I'm pretty good about asking God to help me by his spirit recognize when I've gotten off course. I want to know. I want to know when I'm off course because off course isn't going to profit me. So anyway, also a disciple, a disciple will live the word and have purpose in doing it and make a life in the word. Okay, so that's what we're talking about, making a life in the word. When Pastor Morgan and I first got born again, we didn't have a life in God's word. We looked religious and probably everyone, if I'd have told them that, would have said, yes, you do, because they were in religion too. But once I got in the word, I realized we, we don't have a life in the word of God. We never know what he wants. We never know what he says. We don't know anything about we memorize the Ten Commandments. And I'm pretty sure I've told a lie. I mean, really? Come on. And so we had to realize and recognize that. And then we had to decide, is it God's will or mine? Is it? And to this day, I'm still asking myself the question. Am I in his will or am I in my own will? Am I going the way I always know, I always knew, the way I want to do it, the way I want to, to have it come out? Or do I want God's will? Because it, it just said he won't hurt us. We just read he's not going to hurt us. It's going to be the best that it could be. You can be the best you can be and the outcome can be the best that it can be. So we have to think about those things. Turn with me to John 1. Um, in the New Living Translation, John 1, 1 to 5, in the New Living. This is good. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, the Word, existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through the Word. And nothing was created except through Him, the Word. The Word gave life to everything. So... Let's think about this. If I can hold to that word, that word will bring life to whatever I'm dealing with, whatever I'm going through, whatever, whatever I want to start to accomplish, whatever I want to walk in. And his life brought light to everyone. So let, let me just throw a little thing out here. If the word is life and the life brought the light, then 
if you find yourself walking around in darkness, that means we have not given ourselves to the word because the word of life brings the light. And that is why I believe here we're always taught you have to get into the word. You have to speak the word to your circumstances. You have to bring light into that darkness. We have darkness come at our life. I have darkness come at my life. If I don't speak the word of life to bring the light to shine on that darkness, I don't have any hope of putting that darkness away. And sometimes I think that's just a little bit of mist, a little bit of off we get. It says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it, never. I want us to think like this. I just want us to think like this. Here I am. I'm in the Word. I'm under the authority of the Word the best I know how. I'm still continuing in the Word. I'm, 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 I'm working on growing in faith. And here's the promise right here. And I'm working on that, and I'm going towards it, and I'm going towards it. But then all of a sudden, I give myself to something else. And that promise just goes right by. I can't say God didn't come through. I can't say God wasn't willing and able, ready. I was going right for it. I was, I was headed in the right direction. But then something came and just got me off just a little bit and the promise went right because the promise is coming towards us and we're going towards the promise. And we just step away just a little bit. That's what the Bible's talking about, about we give ourselves to the things of the world. You just, it's just, you can't do it. You can't do it and have what God wants us to have. It's, it, you can't do it. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. Um, turn with me to Hebrews 10.36 in the Amplified. Do we have the Amplified Classic? Okay, good. Hebrews 10.36 says this, For you have need of steadfast patience and endurance. Patience and endurance. So that, see, there's something we have to do so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God. You can't do it without that patience and steadfastness and that endurance. You can't do it. you got to stick with God. You have to. You can't move off from where you start out. When you know that you've started out and lined yourself up with the Word, the road can get bumpy. It can get bumpy. I know. The devil hates it. He hates it when he sees us stick with God. He doesn't like it. He just, he can't have us, but at least he can have the circumstance and the situation. He can knock us off of where God's bringing us. And that's all he's got. But he'll settle for that. It says, and fully accomplish the will of God and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. And that's what I'm talking about. We can't live that compromising life because we're not going to have what God says we're to have. We won't have it. We'll be able to see it. We can think about it. We can yearn for it. But once we move away, once we get off course, and that promise goes by, then, you know, we're going to have to, I always say this, don't, 
I don't want to have to keep taking the same ground back all the time. I, it's a rut. I just don't want to do that. I, I've always thought about this. I've thought about it like this. If this, if this pulpit was on ground, not concrete, and I kept walking round it and round it, but right here was my answer, round it, round it, and round I would get a rut, and I would get lower and lower and lower. And that's not the life that we want. That's not God's will for me by any means, nor for you. Not to walk around the answer, but to walk into the answer and to walk with the answer, which is the word of God. And then we have the spirit of God within us to take the word that we'll hold fast to and he will, he will be that light that shines so that if there's something that's amiss, I can see it and I can correct it. I can see it and I can correct it. I'm telling you now, if we turned all the lights off and someone threw a bag of snakes in here, I want some light. So I, I want some light so I can jump around the snakes and not on them. Because I learned a long time ago at my house when we were having a birthday party one time that a child, when you excite a snake and it's jumping around, it's going to jump on you. It jumped on that kid and bit that kid a rattlesnake. That was not happy. And it ruined the birthday party. And the next thing I knew, all the children were inside on top of my couch. And they wanted me to call their mother. Call my mother, I want to go home. I'd like to go home with you. But unfortunately, I'm running Marcy down in the backyard and trying to tackle her because she took off running. I'm like, but she was fine. Nothing happened to her. We took her to the... The ambulance came, everything was good. But here's what I learned about a snake. When a snake gets excited, they stand up on their tail and they dance. And they bite anything around them. So my point is this. I want light. If a bag of snakes is in this room in the darkness, I want to see what's in the darkness. There's, there's another issue. Who wants to really see what's in the darkness? I do. Don't you want to see what's darkness in your life? Come on, do you? Do you really? Because sometimes pastor has to stand in this pulpit and has to send forth reproof, send forth rebuke, send forth the warning. And you know, it's not that pretty. And so what? It's helping us. It's pulling us back from something attacking us. I'm very adamant about that. I really believe it. I've heard too many times over the years about, I'm so glad so-and-so didn't come today. It was too strong. It was too direct. It was. A, let me tell you something. When you're going after the enemy, you better be direct. Sometimes what if you only have one shot and you're not a good shot? I want the dude with the good shot, and I want him to take a shot at that enemy for me. And that's really how I look at it. And I know that seems like not very spiritual, but I can't help it. I look at that. Warn me, get me out of the way, or kill that thing. Whatever has to happen so I don't have to be, you know, subject to it. I don't like that. There's, the enemy's never done anything good to me, nothing. Never. He's such a liar and such a conniver, such a deceiver. 
any schemes, any plots. And he has a destination for you and I, just like my father and your father does. But I'm going for my father's will. I'm not going to allow the will of the enemy to take hold of my life. Amen? Oh, we got to move on. Okay. Um, let's end up in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 to 11, and I'm going back to the Phillips. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 8 to 11. This is Paul, and he had to write a letter to the church, which is what I was just explaining to you about. Sometimes things have, have to be said point blank and strong. It says, for although my letter had hurt you, I don't regret it now. I did regret it, I must confess, at one time. I can see that the letter did upset you. Though only for a time, but now I am glad I sent it. Not because I want to hurt you. Are you hearing this? Not because we're being taught the word. Not because anyone wants to hurt us. Not to hurt you, but because it made you grieve for things that were wrong. In other words, the result of this letter was to make you sorry as God would have you sorry. Not merely to make you offended by what we said. Oh, that's a whole nother preach. I mean it, that is, y'all. Be real. We have to decide this. Are we going to go the world's way offended? Or are we going to come God's way with godly sorrow and repentance? When that light comes and that light shines and we see some darkness, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to shut down that light? <clears throat> God would have had you sorry and not merely to make you offended by what we said. The sorrow which God uses means a change of heart. Glory to God. And leads to salvation. It is the world's sorrow that is such a deadly thing. See, we cannot give ourselves to the world nor the things of this world. You can look back now and you can see how the hand of God was in that sorrow. Look how seriously it made you think. How eager it made you to prove your innocence. How indignant it made you and how in even some cases you became afraid. Look how it made you long for my presence. How it stirred up your keenness for the faith. How ready it made you to punish the offender. God is not our offender. The word is not our offender. The enemy is the offender. The wrongdoing, the sin is the offender. Yes, that letter cleared the air for you as nothing else could have done. The word is made for this. The word can accomplish this. The word can, can cause us to deny our own will and to come over into God's will. You know, I've come over into God's will before, not understanding all about it, but I came over anyway. And I just re I put myself under the authority of the word. You know, Jesus, Jesus talked about the will. When he, when he um, I think, was it in Matthew, when Jesus was teaching them how to pray, the Lord's Prayer that we all know, he said, 
um, my kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are supposed to be walking in the will of God on this earth. It's absolutely possible for people to tell me, you cannot know God's will and you cannot live in his will. Don't tell me that. It's too late. It's in the word. We certainly can know his will. We certainly can live. I can make a life in the will of God. Why do I have to tell people no all the time? Because that thing they want me to get involved in is outside of God's will. I know it. See, now I know it. It's like, just like what we read in John 7, 17. We'll know it. Those of us that desire to practice the will of God will know when there's something false. We'll know when we're not going the right direction. We'll know it because our desire is we're not giving our heart to the things of this world. We're not doing that. We're giving ourselves to God. And because we're giving ourselves to God, God honors that. He knows our heart. He's searching our heart. He's hearing our heart when we speak. He's watching our heart when we act. He knows. And he sees to it that we do know the false from the truth. We know. That is an awesome way to make a life. To make a life. I'm, I've, I started making that life. I'm continuing making that life. I'm not done with making that life. But I'm going to continue right on making that life. I'm going to continue right on practicing the will of God. Desiring the will. Crying out for his will. It's not a poor old me cry. It's God. I want to know your will. Show me your will so I can walk in it. I mean, Pastor Morgan and I, we've laid down our own will over the years, lots of times. Who hasn't? Is there anyone here that never had to lay down your own will? Anybody? Podcasters, there's nobody. Hands. There's no hands in the room. <laughs> no hands. Because, of course, we have to. We have to make choices every day about the will of God. Because his word is his will. His word created Everything we see, all of the life that word has created. That word came out of heaven. That word walked the earth as a man. That word showed us how, yes, it's possible we can live. That word had to trust God even to the point of death. Had to, had to trust him that I will restore your deity. I will bring you back to the throne. I'll bring you back. But this is what must be done. And, you know, Jesus, he, we know this. He, that very last moment, he said, well, if it could be done any other way, can we do that? If not, I'm still in your will, Father. You know, that's all right to have a conversation with God like that as long as you end up with telling him, but I'm still in your will, Lord. I'm still going for your will. I'm still going to pursue and seek and practice your will. That's, that's what I'm going to do here. That's how we're going to live. We're going to make a life in the will of God, not outside the will. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Um, we won't turn here, but, um, you know, we won't turn here. But 1 John 3, 8 says this. It says that Jesus came to make the plans of the enemy as nothing. That's what we're to do. We were left here with the authority to, do, to continue to do that very same thing. 
but we can't do it if we aren't in the light and the life that's in the word. We have to stay in the light and the life that's in the word if we're going to continue to recognize the plans of the enemy and to make them as nothing. That's what we're doing, church. You know we're doing it right now today in this nation. You know what we're doing. You know that you know we are taking the light and the life that's been given us and we are making a stand for righteousness, for holiness, for purity, for equality, not tolerance. I got in an argument with my really good friend about that. I did not mean to get in an argument, but I just couldn't stop myself about between equality and tolerance. That is not what the Pledge of Allegiance to this country says. It does not say tolerance. It does not say to embrace everything. Because some things come that are of men, women, that are unholy and ungodly. And we have to recognize it and we have to stand up against it. Amen. I believe the church is doing it. I believe we're awake. I believe we're, we're standing our ground. I believe we're taking ground. Amen. Because we desire the will of God and not our own will. Amen. 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 Oh, yes, Lord. Father, we just thank you. We praise you, Lord God. We give you glory. We give you honor. And we worship you, Father, with the life that we have been given. It's a glorious life. It's a righteous life. It's a life full, full, full of light and life, Lord God. It's full of our God, full, Father, of your spirit, Lord God, and full of your word. We thank you for that, Lord God. We're so pleased. It's, it's pleasurable to us to know that our God is righteous, to know that our God is holy, to know that our God remains faithful and steadfast through it all, Father God, that you are eternal, you're never-ending, and you're an everlasting God. You'll never, 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 never leave us, Lord God. You always were and you always will be, Father. Oh, I thank you, Lord God. I praise you, Lord. Woo! Thank you, Lord God. Okay, so if you desire to give in the offering, let me share this with you. The Bible says there's one that gives and yet increases all the more. That we don't throw it, but we do sow it. Yeah, we don't throw, but we sow, and we do it with purpose. You can have a purpose of heart to do it. You can be led by the Spirit of God to do it. You can see in the Word. You can give yourself to it. You can um, sow a seed. You can give, of the, give with the purpose of the heart. You, of course, give the tithe because you can't rob God. So we have to think about those things. That's all a part of giving. They're all righteous acts. They're all in God's will. Are they not? They are. So because we know it's God's will, we can do it in faith. We can do it in faith knowing that it's going to produce. It's going to bring back. It's going to increase. We're planting. We're planting. We're planting. We're releasing it. God's receive, or we receive it back from him knowing it's received back from our God. It says that when you do this, God will honor it, that he honors his word. So, Father, we thank you right now. You honor the word. You honor what we're about to 
to do, Father, how we're going to act, Father God, how we're going to speak over our seed, Lord God. Speak that word, Father God. We all have things that we um, want to put our hand to. We all have things, Lord, that we need finances for. This is spiritual. It's not the world's way. It's not the world's thing. It's your thing. It's a holy thing, Lord. So, Father, I thank you right now as we release the seed, as we release the tithe, Lord God, as we have a purpose of heart to give, Father, that it will come back to us, Father God, in the right way, in a blameless, above reproach, not, con not condemning and, and guilt-free, Lord God. It'll come back to us, and we will receive it, Lord God. And in that, in that fruit that we receive, there'll be more seed to sow. And in that sowing, Father God, it will grow, Lord God. It will grow, and it will produce, and it will bring, come back to us over and over. That's your financial plan. There's nothing wrong with it, Lord. We know this. Oh, we thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord God. Glory to God. All right, um, there should be an envelope if you want to give in the seat in front of you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus.